Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We're in Revelation chapter 3, if you're new or visiting. We're going through the church at Philadelphia. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We just continue in our worship of you by surrendering our minds to your word. Even as Jesus says to every single church, repent, repent, repent. Father, we need to have spiritual ears because you have given us the great commission. We are your ambassadors. We represent heaven, no other nation. We thank you for this nation and all that we're allowed to do, but we now represent heaven first and foremost. So that's a good challenge, Father. How are we behaving as ambassadors of Christ? Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. For again, we can't do this on our own. Give us spiritual boldness, Father. For we know people will not appreciate or like. They might even hate that we speak the truth in love but we are called to do that. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we made it through verse 7 and 8 last Sunday. So we'll wrap up the Church of Philadelphia here this morning. And let's remember the exhortation that we covered last week at the end of verse 8. It's Revelation 3, 8b. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. We'll leave that up there for a moment because that's really, really the focal point in Philadelphia. In these bizarre days that we find ourselves in, always remember that it's all about the Holy Spirit giving us the necessary strength to make it through this life. We might feel like we have a little strength because that does happen at times. That's a reality. But stay focused on what Jesus said right after that. Because he goes on to say, you have kept, means to guard. Notice that, have kept my word. It means to guard by keeping the eye upon. Even though there might be other churches on other corners stating, you know, no, 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 no. Homosexuality is endorsed in the Bible. Trans is endorsed in the Bible. Living together is okay in the Bible. Drug abuse is okay in the Bible. That doesn't mean it's okay. Know your Bible so that you can lovingly go to them and say, no, that is incorrect. And we want to be kept by God's word, not kept by our own strength or own abilities, because we will always fail. And have not denied my name. That's key to these days we're living in, especially for the next, gener- the next, next generation, the young people. The pressure, the social pressure because of that little phone that they carry with them almost 24-7 is more than most of... I'm 63. I did, not, I did not have any of that pressure. I had a little bit of pressure. Nothing like the pressure that teenagers have today with that phone. So just be aware of that. Love them. Let them know you love them. And it's okay to love Jesus and be bold for Jesus. And you might not have any friends. I lost all my friends when I received Christ as my Savior. Literally, I lost all my friends. I was the class clown. I had a lot of friends. I lost them all. But I had one. His name was Gene. He mentored me, and that's all I needed. I just needed somebody to mentor me. 
So don't, don't be afraid of losing people. Because once you get strong enough, then you're going to be able to go back, plant, water, fertilize. Be careful you don't go back too soon. But once you get strong enough, according to the scriptures, once you get strong enough, then you'll be able to go back. And you'll go, you know, I know you hate me, but I love you. And I want you to know Jesus. You see, we need to prepare ourselves every day. Because this persecution over the most bizarre things that are coming upon this earth. We need to take a stand sooner or later over the word of God. You have to. You cannot be a, single, uh, a secret Christian. And over the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. So let's pick it up. We'll start in verse 7. And to the angel, the messenger, the, I believe the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. You can get the CD from last week if you'd like to, to catch up. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it and you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. The Bible is so relevant. But people are telling you it's not relevant. It's archaic. It's chauvinistic. It's this. It's that. You see, even with the pressure from a group of people, in this case, the Jews... The believers in Philadelphia didn't give up on living out as well as sharing their faith. And that was the exhortation from Daniel. Are you sharing your faith? And I need to make clear at this point that Jesus here is referring to the Jewish community as those who were persecuting the believers. But this applies to any group who persecutes believers, Muslims, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses. Islam is a very peaceful religion. They want a piece of you over there, they want a piece of you over there, and they want a piece of you over there. 1.8 billion? That's reality. It is not about religion, it's about relationship. Many religions have persecuted believers over the centuries. Many non-religious people have persecuted believers as well. So this is not an anti-Semitic statement that Jesus is making here. Not at all. He is just making a point about who happens to be persecuting the believers at Philippi, or Philadelphia at that time. So just because you say you belong to a certain group, Jewish or otherwise, apart from the love of Christ, your approach towards others will fall short. If a person doesn't show the love of Christ towards others, their position is in the group means absolutely nothing. Put a name on it. I was raised in a church where there were priests, and then there were bishops, and then there were archbishops, and then there's the Pope. doesn't matter what name you put on it. If you're not following the gospel, it's irrelevant. What did Jesus say were the two greatest commandments? Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And in one of the songs we just sang, it said about surrendering all. You know you're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength when you're willing to say, I surrender all. Not just I surrender some. I, I literally surrender all. And I'm not saying that's an easy place to get to. Because we're raised in America. We control. We make things happen. 
Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get in gear. Do whatever it takes. No, God is in control. I need to do my part. I need to be responsible. Come here for a while. You'll figure it out. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You see, in our text here this morning, Jesus says that one day, those who were persecuting the believers would come and bow down before the Lord, where the believers would be present. I believe this is going to be the great white throne judgment seat. The unbeliever will not see the believer judge. We're judged at the Bema seat, the reward seat. We don't go before the great white throne judgment seat. But the unbelievers will, and we will be there. And we'll say, true and righteous are your judgments, O Lord. Let's look at some scriptures. 2 Thessalonians 2. Turn quickly, because we've got quite a bit to cover. 2 Thessalonians 2, if you're new or visiting. We encourage you to have a paper Bible. If you don't have one, just reach it down below you in front of a chair. Grab one. If you need a Bible, take it. If you're not going to use it, leave it. But if you use it, take it. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification. Sanctification is a big word. That's, remember, that's that dash in between your birth date and the day you die. That's the dash. You're being sanctified, cleansed, washed by the water of the word. By the spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, an exhortation, stand fast, stand fast, and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. How about Philippians 2, 8 through 11? Philippians 2, 8 through 11. Again, the little white rectangle there, they'll show you in your Bible where it's at. So it's the New Testament, 27 books. Get used to your paper Bible when they turn your phone off. You're going to be glad you have your best friend with you. Philippians 2, 8 through 11. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And as you do your studies, you'll know that he here is Jesus. He humbled himself and came obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Register, vote. But don't put your, all of your trust where it doesn't belong. All of our trust belongs in Jesus, in the hands of the Father, via the Holy Spirit. Of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue, every tongue, should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I personally believe that Satan will stand before that judgment seat and will bow and will confess. He's not his Lord, obviously, but he will confess the truth. Jesus Christ, you are Lord. I tried for 6,000 years to throw, overthrow you, and I did not succeed. You are, you are Lord. You want to make sure that you say it on this side of heaven because you won't get a second chance. You want to be able to say on this side of heaven, Jesus, you're my Lord. Not just my Savior. Savior's great. Praise God. We don't work for our salvation. That's free. But we should be doing something for our sanctification. 
It's a, it's a dual responsibility. God has his responsibility. We have ours. God brought the manna for 40 years. The men went out and gathered the manna. The men went out and gathered the manna. You'll see it throughout the scriptures. God will do his part. We need to do our part. Not for salvation. That's off the table. Grow past that. Just get over that. It's for sanctification. What are you doing for the Lord? Not just evangelization, but are you spending time with the Lord privately? Do you have a private devotional time? Every unbeliever will eventually learn just how much the Lord loved his eternal family. They're going to be seeing us, and we're going to be seeing them. We're going to be rejoicing. They are going to be weeping and crying forevermore because they will go to a fiery pit. Verse 10, Revelation 3.10, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Notice, to test those. Jesus is able to defend his church, and here the church in Philadelphia received a promise that Jesus would protect them from the coming persecution that was going to test the whole known world at that time. Notice that Jesus is going to keep them from and not through this great time, this time of great tribulation. We'll touch more upon this when we get to Revelation 4.1. Here at Calvary, we believe in the rapture. We believe that we'll be taken out of the world before God's wrath is poured out on the world. Man's wrath, we're all subjected to man's wrath. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. We we are subjected to man's wrath, but God's wrath, read your Bible. If we do just rough numbers, billion Christians, leave seven billion, three and a half billion people are going to die in the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Three and a half billion. Have you seen them doing mass graves in Libya? They can't identify the bodies. The family can't identify. There's no time. They have to be buried. Imagine three and a half billion people in three and a half years. We can't comprehend it. You see, Rome was persecuting Christians intensely and it was going to continue for several hundred more years. But persecution did not stop when Rome made Christianity the official religion of the day. It just came from another source. You see, the enemy of our soul hates Jesus and his simple plan of salvation. So the enemy will try his best to make it hard for us as believers. Now, as we look at this verse, could this also pertain to the rapture of the church or that hour of God's wrath coming upon the whole world? I think it could. But that's a whole other study, as I've already mentioned, that we'll get to in Revelation 4.1. But to remain with biblical consistency, I believe that Jesus is addressing the saints, the saints here in Philadelphia personally. He is reassuring them about a time, an hour. And and that's not necessarily 60 minutes that we think of. That hour means a time. It's a time. And he was going to keep them from that because he is God and he keeps his promises. Verse 11. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. You see, once again, Jesus gives the church in Philadelphia, as well as us today, this exhortation. Hold fast. 
You look up those words. You can do this. I'm not a Greek scholar. Just get the books. Go on the internet. You can do it. Hold fast. It means keep, retain. Keep, retain. Hold fast what you have. What do you guys have as believers? First, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. This is not a big battle between Satan and God. Who's going to win? Read your Bible. Jesus shows up. The brightness of his glory, the breath of his mouth, which is the word of God, party's over. This is not a big battle. But because Christians don't know their Bible, they think it's a big battle. No, it's not a big battle. If God could feed up to 3 million people for 40 years, and if Jesus just shows up and Satan's done, what are we worried about? Register, vote. Don't worry about it. God's got a plan. Sign petitions. I sign petitions. Do those type of things. But I don't worry about it. I just do my thing and say, God, it's in your hands. You raise up, you bring down. Your son's coming back on time. I'm just going to keep looking to heaven. You see, the enemy, he can't take away our crown. What could this possibly mean? Well, Philippians. Philippians 4.1 says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown... Was, Wal- was uh, Paul wearing the Philippians on his head? No, he was just so excited that they accepted the faith. That's our crown, the faith, not our faith. None of this Christian fiction nonsense. The Bible. I have faith in the faith. And as I surrender my life to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit builds my faith in the faith. But it's not my faith that makes things happen. It's the faith. And God has ordained good works for me to walk in and for you, Ephesians 2.10. And with the exhortation from Daniel, are we trying to walk in those or are we just too busy? I I just got too much to do. If you ever say you got too much to do for God, you got a problem. Nobody's nobody's asking you to go in full-time ministry. We all understand. We all have to work. But you can be used of God in your workplace, in your neighborhood, with your family members. Are you allowing God to use you? That's the exhortation. No guilt or condemnation. None of that nonsense. Just the exhortation. Are you allowing God to use you? How about 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 through 20? For this is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing. You see, Paul's expressing So much love for the saints because they have accepted the faith that he took to them. Not his faith, the faith. But God was using Saul and Paul because Saul and Paul surrendered his whole life. He was absolutely married. He was a Pharisee. He was married. He most likely had children. He was a son of a Pharisee. He's going to pass on the family heritage. But he forsook it all. He was single. He said, I have learned how to be abased and how to abound. You see, we're kind of learning that now as gas is approaching $5. And it's going to get even higher because that's the goal of the enemy. Revelation 13. We have to go down. America has to go down. You either bring the whole world up for equity or you bring the rich down for equity. What's easier to do? You bring the rich down. That's how you get equity. 
And that's what the Bible talks about. There will be a one world government. There will be a one world religion. There will be a one world economic system. And we are so close to that economic system. So close. Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. How are we doing? We're doing pretty good on time. 1 Peter 5. The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Notice Paul talks about the glory. Peter's talking about the glory. Guys, this earth, if, 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 if what you have on this earth is your glory, you better recalibrate. Because as soon as you build it, it starts falling apart. Look at yourself in the mirror. You're falling apart. You might not want to admit it. We'll, tell, we'll let you know. We'll be loving enough to say, yeah, you're falling apart. Get over it. It's just the way it is. And also a partaker of the glory that be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Serving as overseers. Not by compulsion, but willingly. So Paul is telling those pastors, those overseers, get busy ministering to the flock. Serve them, love them, show them what the faith looks like. Not my faith, the faith. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. If you're a husband and you have children, they're looking at you. You are the shepherd of that flock. How you doing? Not through guilt or condemnation. Please get past that. Just through reality. You got to ask yourself. I have to ask myself. Got 14 grandkids, a great grandchild. How am I doing? Do they see Jesus in me? Do they know I'm seeking after God? Do they know I'm seeking after God's word? Do I pray with them? Do I hug them? Do I love them? Do I discipline them? Absolutely. How are you doing? How are you doing as the priest of your house? It's an exhortation for you ladies also, but here in context. Nor is being lords over those who entrusted, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, who's the chief shepherd? Jesus. You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. You know, I personally don't think that we're going to be walking around heaven with multiple crowns on our heads. But these scriptures make it pretty clear that we will know whom we have helped to come to know Christ and whom we helped to grow in Christ. Did you hear those two differences? See, one day, as I share with you about going to Egypt, we didn't go over for touring. Um, at the end of the, the two weeks, Claudia's uh, ankles, you couldn't see them. She was like elephant legs. She didn't have any calf. And we said, Rami, we got we to get to the hospital. I mean the hospital. We got to get to the airport. Because I knew there'd be air conditioning in the airport. And so we got to the airport. It was hard. But yeah, I can't wait to see some of those. I, I don't remember that, that gentleman's name. But I was teaching, I was, we were doing a men's little retreat at a hotel, and I was teaching men that they needed to die 
and that they need to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And you should be praying with your wife. You should be ministering to your wife. You should, and, and this one, do <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? He was kind of a buff guy. Uh, he, was, he was pacing in the back like a lion, man. He, and I'm just going, uh-oh, I'm, I'm from America. I might not be going home. <laughs> but I was just sharing the word of God. And later on, through Rami, who interpreted, he told me that he was so convicted on how he was treating his wife that he had to repent. But in that culture, I don't think I'm incorrect, but in that culture, they look down on the women. That's not scriptural. Women are co-equal in Christ. And the Bible is the only book that makes women co-equal with men. So ladies, don't ever give up on your Bible. It's the only book. It's the best book. You see, we're co-equal in Christ. We have glory that's going to be waiting for us. And it will never, ever fade away. So how are we helping people to know Christ? We went there with a goal to build up the church. It really wasn't evangelism. Maybe some people got saved, but it was really just to go to house churches. And we went to so many house churches. We'd start... Because uh, they start to, they, they, they don't go to bed till three in the morning. We were having fish and eggs for breakfast at like two in the morning. <laughs> it was so hot. That, that's when they do, then they, they, they have a morning session of shops. That's when we were sleeping. They close for the afternoon and then they open in the evening. And so we're out at 11, 12, 1, spreading the gospel, going to these home fellowships, having a blast. Helping them to know Christ and helping them to do what? Grow in Christ. Are you doing that? It's not just my responsibility. Well, that's what we pay you for. No, that's not what you pay me for. You're paying me to do what I do right now. Teach the Word of God. Read your Bible, Ephesians. I'm to teach you to equip you to go out for the work of the ministry. That's my main responsibility, as well as the other things that I do throughout the week. It's that picture of rewards. You see, we will not be bragging about ourselves in heaven. We will not be bragging about ourselves. But I think that we would be pleasantly surprised at how much God used us for his kingdom. If you want to be used. It comes down to that. Interesting enough, Philadelphia was built on an earthquake fault line. Let's, let's look at verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God and I will write on him my new name. You see, as we've studied over the last few months, anyone who comes to believe that Jesus is the Christ is an overcomer. You're an overcomer. So as you read about overcomers in here, it's a believer. So once again, the good news is that Jesus will never cast us out of heaven as we read that verse. And as we break down the verse, Jesus uses a physical analogy of a pillar, a pillar, to illustrate a spiritual principle of a child of God. And you'll see that with rabbis, you'll see it throughout the Bible. Physical analogy, spiritual principle. Physical analogy, spiritual principle. You got a physical body, you're going to get a heavenly body. Throughout the Bible. Jesus, uh, just as pillars hold up structures, so the faith. Not your faith. That's Christian fiction. Get away from the TV nonsense. The faith holds up our souls and is what will carry us through this life into heaven. 
If my Christian walk depended on my faith, that would be really scary. Because I don't even trust my faith. I trust in God. And God, if you want to use me, please use me. But I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to study. I'm going to do what I can do. But I'm going to wholeheartedly place trust in God. And it's interesting, in Philadelphia, it was known for being built on an earthquake fault line. And sure enough, it was devastated by earthquakes on several occasions. So this idea of pillars was very important to the believers here in Philadelphia. You see, it was their unshakable pillar of the faith. Do you think I'm emphasizing anything here this morning? The faith, not your faith. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And so many people have left the faith because when they told God to heal them and they didn't get healed because of Christian fiction, well, God's not real. No, you were believing in Christian fiction. Paul had an eye ailment that he prayed three times. God, take this away from me. I believe it was an eye ailment. I wouldn't argue with anybody. I believe it was an eye ailment. Scriptures, I think, show that. And Jesus finally told him, Saul, paraphrasing, as we'd say today, take it easy. My grace is sufficient for you. And Paul went to the grave with his eye ailment. He didn't have enough faith, right? Try to convince me of that. Paul just didn't have enough faith. Nonsense. It kept him humble. He even says that. If it wasn't for my ailment, I probably would be boasting about myself. But I, I'm paraphrasing again, but I'm only going to boast in what God does through me. God's ways are higher than our ways, guys. It was our unshakable pillar of the faith that was going to support their faith until they arrived in heaven. And as we read this, you know, I'm not exactly sure. He says, I will write on him the name of my God. I think this is a great verse for tattoos. Really, really good verse to justify tattoos, right? I don't have an issue with tattoos. Our oldest son is from head to foot. It's not a big deal because it's going to burn anyways. Don't get hung up on it. So many people get hung up on stupid little things. Sorry, silly little things. I don't like that word stupid. Silly little things. I'm not exactly sure what this writing is all about, but it would be a great verse. But let's take it literal. Tattoos are supposed to be permanent. Yes, you can get them removed, but they're supposed to be permanent. Do we see any other markings in the word that show ownership? Let's look at Exodus 12. Go very quickly. Exodus chapter 12. We're almost out of time. The music team's going to come up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're going to go really quickly. So in Exodus 12, just write it down because we're not going to have time. It's about the Passover. So I'll just explain these things. You guys can write these down as you go. So in Exodus 12, 21 through 28, it's the Passover where the lamb was put on the doorpost and, and, the, and to, to do what? So that the angel of death would pass over those who were in the house, okay? That's the Passover. Ezekiel 9, 3 through 6, Ezekiel's seeing a vision, and there's an angel that's going through and marking those who are sorrowful over what is taking place in Jerusalem. So that when the angel of death goes through there, they're marked. They're not going to die. In Revelation 7, 1 through 4, 1 through 4 and you can read more about it, um, there's going to be 144,000 Jews that are going to be marked. They're gods. And this is ownership. 
Passover, ownership. Ezekiel showing God's ownership. Revelation, ownership. So let's look at Revelation 13. We'll, we'll end with this. Revelation 13, 11 through 17. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. This is during the great tribulation. Whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that, even, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives... Enemy's number one tactic, deception. Those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he has granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, and that image of the beast should speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So there are going to be believers... After the rapture, human beings are going to get saved. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Satan will always imitate God. Ownership. They're mine. If you're an unbeliever here today, the rapture happens. You survived the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Congratulations. Don't take the mark of the beast. If you take the mark of the beast, you're damned. You can't rub it off. You're not going to stand before God and say, well, I didn't mean to do that. No, 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 no. You're going to be warned. You're warned now. You're going to be warned through the first three and a half years. Don't take it. And that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. You see, Jesus is making the point here that a believer is permanent resident of heaven. Since the resurrection, every believer, upon receiving Jesus as their Savior, is what? You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Until the are redeemed or called home to heaven. You have a seal on you. You're His. God owns you. Matter of fact, that's why we say, Lord. Maybe you don't know what the word Lord means. You might be new to the faith. So the word Lord means Master. That means I'm a servant. I'm a bond servant. Not an American. And you all serve me. No, I get to be a bond servant and I get to serve all of you. If you're a believer, you're a bond servant. How are you doing with his lordship? Are you willing to serve everybody else? Or is it still all about you? Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. We thank you for these churches. And as we're learning now in the sixth church, we've learned from all six, the do's and the don'ts. And in these evil days that we're in, it's pressing in upon us. We have to take a stand. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be intimidating. The enemy's going to try to bring fear into our lives. But Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will give us boldness beyond anything that we could ever drum up. So Father, we don't want to rely upon ourselves. We want to rely upon your Holy Spirit working through us. We'll do our part because we know you will do the rest. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. 
You'll never give us something and then abandon us and say, well, figure it out on your own. No, you'll, you'll inspire us and then you will strengthen us via your Holy Spirit to accomplish what you would have us to accomplish. So, Father, we just thank you all for that. And then at the end of the day, you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You're such a good God. You do it through us and empower us and then you give us credit. You're so good. Father, we pray for anyone in this room this morning that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that after the service they would come up, that they would receive Jesus as their Savior. They would stop playing church. They wouldn't just be coming here because somebody's dragging them here. They would realize they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And apart from Jesus, they're going to hell. That they would come up and ask Jesus to be their Savior. To know, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with you. Father, we thank you for Tom who graduated this past week. So Lord, we pray for Kathy and Karen that you comfort them. It's hard to say goodbye, but Father, I thank you and praise you that we know Tom went to heaven. And so I just say, see you soon. See you soon, brother. What a glorious entrance you've had this past week. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.